Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Samuel Adams Returns. Those anti-federalists, they did. They absolutely got it right, and this is Tom Novolis, your host. And just to start off with, I do need to uh, make an announcement because I'm not sure that people uh, out there in the radio world are hearing this, but uh, for those of you in the Wilkins Radio Network market that are listening, if anybody is, I don't know. Uh, you, this will be the second last, and then the last Friday of February will be the last program that we will be on in your market area. Uh, we have not received any feedback from anybody, which I've mentioned in the past, and it's easy to figure out. You just go to samueladamsreturns.net. And you could always find a, a means to contact me there. But we've heard nothing uh, from that market area. And because uh, we only have, quite frankly, uh, four donors, five at the most, that uh, contribute to this program. And they have been wonderful. But nobody from that Wilkins Radio Network market has ever participated to help keep the programming on the air uh, in your market. So with that, well, we ran out of money, and there is no way that I have a capacity to uh, keep funding this uh, through my consistent donors, of which there's actually two that are monthly givers, and I'm very, very blessed by them. But uh, Wilkins Market, uh, we're going to be gone here at the end of February, and uh, I uh, I don't have much to say about that except that uh, I hope those that have listened to the program did get something out of it. Uh, other than that, we are moving on. You can always find everything that we do at SamuelAdamsReturns.net. Every program goes up there. So if you are interested, that's a place. You can sign up for the newsletter. And do that, everybody, make sure you let other folks know as well to sign up for the newsletter at samueladamsreturns.net. And uh, then you can keep uh, abreast of what's going on. So with that, I took this on. I'm taking it on pretty, oh, I guess very pointed. Uh, everything that we are experiencing, for the most part, you're hearing of uh, trying to find all these political solutions and all these problems. I mean, this week we just had the State of the Union address by a, oh my goodness, uh, the walking dead, if you will. And everything that was stated during that State of the Union address was an outright deception and the promotion of utter evil. Now, this is not uncommon uh, throughout world history. In fact, that's what we're going to do a couple series on uh, this week. I have a great guest again that's coming back uh, next week, and then uh, we'll jump back into what I am dealing with this week. Uh, the fundamental is, is that, uh, you know, I'm just a simple guy, but I do take and have taken the time to study the scriptures. The reason being is what is the root problem in America is that 
humanity, humans, myself included, are sinful creatures. And we need something that is inerrant in the deepest portions of our psyche and our heart. And I include our psyche because that's clearly pointed out in Psalms as well as it is pointed out in uh, the other writings of King David's son, Solomon, and Proverbs. So we're going to take and get, in this first segment, to the root problem. If you don't like the root problem, then that's why America's messed up, because you don't like the root solution. You don't want to hear it. The bottom line is, is that we are sinful creatures. There's no other way to explain it. Our founders understood that, the root founders, and most important as we get to the pulpits, the pulpits of the day clearly understood Reformation biblical truth. You have heard me talk about that over and over and over to the extent that Sam Adams, one of his monikers, is the last Puritan. Now, I did watch uh, this past week, when it just came out, it came out uh, that I saw it on Canon Press, Canon Plus, you should subscribe to that if you really want to get great information and have your uh, very person learn something as well as uh, get your normal uh, interest really rocked around. But uh, at Canon Plus, I did watch the, uh, it's a documentary called uh, The Puritans, The Puritans, and the full name of it is Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. Now, to me, that documentary was... uh, Very good. It was very good. Uh, It was rudimentary in my understanding and especially in my studies because I have been studying the foundational Reformation and the Puritans now for well over a couple decades. So that has given me a little bit more insight than what this uh, documentary deals with. And to that, there's several people that are participants in the documentary I do not have a lot of trust in or, you know, so I'll just put it that way. I don't have a lot of trust in who they are, but it was interesting that they participated uh, in this uh, this documentary. But the documentary itself, again, I highly recommend that uh, you do listen to it and get some understanding that the Puritans were the ones that were about truth and biblical truth with their lives, with their very lives. Now, that is the spirit, that is the idea, that is the understanding of America as it went through the First Great Awakening. America had its messes. Very, very messy. It went through because of all the immigration. It went through all sort of moral flip-flops. 
it wasn't always that it was a country founded by the Puritans and all of that. No, I've talked about in the past very clearly the difference between the northern colonies, the southern colonies, what happened with Massachusetts, and even in the northern Massachusetts colonies, it was messy. Because, it goes back to my opening statement, we are all sinners. And the only way to overcome that is through the salvation, the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, and there's nothing else, nothing, no religion, nothing. Because as Scripture tells us, and I'm not going to quote you a lot of Scripture, you can take and you can go to listen to Doug Wilson or some other really good preachers that will bring that together for you. But wait a minute, I am going to quote some Scripture, maybe, in the second and third segments, because when we get into the root of what I want to talk about, there's no way to avoid it. But in this opening segment, you have to clearly understand that the bottom line for all of humanity and the political welfare of a nation is that it has to bring its mind, heart, and all and all, as it says with the Puritans here, just in this movie, it is all of life to the glory of God. All. And in that all, that's the political all. All has to come not just forth the glory of God, but under the sovereignty of the living God, Jesus the Christ. That's our problem today. Our problem isn't the economics our problem isn't the oh the borders our problem isn't the the the, the oh, biden in the white house our problem is that we are an unrepentant nation individuals even within the context of the churches that do not look at christ as all. A lot of lip service. Yeah, we're flapping our lips there. You know? A lot of lip service. But not the true meaning as the Puritans had in relationship to all of Christ for everything. All. Meaning all. He being the sovereign. Instead, the humanism came in, and I've talked to you many times of what happened, even starting in Harvard in the 1700s. We're going to go back, actually, to Yale in the 1700s in our next segments. And we're going to talk about what happened and a very, very interesting sermon that was given. We'll touch on it. Because I need to give you a lot of information to know that our nation at that time, because the pulpits preach the fullness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, period, and what that meant, not only from the saving grace, but also from the glorious sovereignty that he holds over everything. And if you don't get that, 
all the running around that you do, everything that you try to accomplish politically will be okay. You're going to do something. But if every person is not subject to the sovereignty of Christ, everything you do is in vain. Everything you do is from your own interest, not to the glory of God. So the Puritans and the preachers, the majority of them, you know, you had some uh, Church of England folks, you know, the Episcopalians, Anglicans, all of that, and uh, even definitely the Unitarians and Universalists back in the 1700s that, eh, well, they touched on what was in scriptures, no different than a lot of the preachers today. And they touched on uh, biblical truths, but they did not touch on the depth of the sovereignty of the living God. I got to drive that one home. If you do not understand, as we get into the next two segments, if you cannot grasp the essence, the truth, the depth that Christ is sovereign and he rules everything now, not some idea that he's going to come back for a thousand years and rule. Scripture talks about that, but he is sovereign now. And every person and every political leader is only there for the glory of God. And those that don't recognize it, like the Democrats, and we're going to talk about the Democrats in the next segment, that they are pro-Satanist, period. And I will prove that to you in the next segment. They're pro-Satanist. That means they're against God. So how is it then that half the nation who would rather worship themselves and worship Satan, that we deserve to get what we get in this nation because we are not doing what happened during the first great awakening and acknowledging the living Christ. And as the battle cry was, no king but King Jesus. Come on back in the next segment when Sam Adams does return and those anti-federalists did get it right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this second segment of Samuel Adams Returns. Those anti-federalists got it right. I want to get right back to what I was talking about in the last segment. And uh, those that have received my newsletter, you will take and uh, notice that the title is National Sin, True History, Ezra Styles in America. So I covered in the first segment some of the fact that we are engaged so much in national sin that what's going on is well-deserved. The point here is that, as I finished, you must understand the full sovereignty of God in all things for all life. And we don't do that. That's not even preached 
in churches. I, you know, I'm not even going to get into all of that, but just listen to what's going on with the pastors. They have no sense of true biblical foundational Reformation truth. They don't even understand the truth around orthodoxy. Now, there's some people out there that I agree when they talk about orthodoxy, it's over the top, and it is not about salvation. Orthodoxy helps humans stay focused. We have the Westminster Confession for a reason. We have the Heidelberg Confession for a reason. We have those confessionals to help knuckleheads like me remember and look at truth. So I don't know if you're a knucklehead like me, but you know something? I can stay focused and reading and studying my scripture very independently, but it's nice to have a framework by which then you can study even more. And as I brought out to you, and will at in the future this year bring out to you, that even economics is talked about in the confessions. Gee, go figure, because it's biblically sound. So when I talk about the national sin, one of the areas that I said I wanted to prove to you, and I'm only going to go with this one, that the Democrats are Satanist. They're Satanist because they don't follow the living God. They're self-serving, and they're only focused and lost in their religion of humanism. And when you're there, then you're following Satan. There's only two two sides to this coin. One is you are truly engaged with the sovereign, living God of all creation, or you're not. And if you're not, then whether you like it or not, whether you like to be described this way or not, you're a follower of Satan, period. End of story. That's all it is. You may not be like what's happening in New Mexico right now. In New Mexico, and there's a link to the article there at the website, samueladamsreturns.net, and it's in the newsletter if you subscribe to that. New Mexico, the Temple of Satan is opening up abortion clinics, and they are going to do satanic rites over the women that are coming in for abortions. Now, their intention is to do this in the wacky world of New Mexico and then open them in other states that are pro-abortion. Now, in the pro-abortion component of that, there is a link to the clip because I don't have the rights to play it for you, but there's a link to the clip of Tucker Carlson on this past Wednesday night where he is going through and showing all the Democrats that are putting their uh, abortion tags, replacing their uh, American flags for the clown show Tuesday night. And as he points out, is that the O in abortion is a heart, and they love abortion. And he questions that, and go listen to the clip. The references are, are there at samueladamsreturns.net. 
he takes and asks the question very succinctly. Who loves abortion other than Satan loves abortion? Because, as Tucker brought out, and here it is, that is not just infanticide, that is the ritual killing of children. The ritual killing of children. It is the worship of Satan. So now you put the two together, you have these demon crats who are taking and so for abortion, including Obiden, to the extent that they want to codify it, and to the extent that he is getting ready to do an executive order, whether he does it or not, but to do an executive order declaring abortion a health care emergency, that means that he's putting it in the same framework as COVID, then allowing the federal government to act as an emergency order on the murder of the unborn the continued sacrifice to Satan, and then when you have the likes of what? The satanic temple that's going to do ritual activities and chants over the women going into abortion clinics that they're going to open, when that's allowed and when that's done, well, you are now, instead of in a land of freedom that at one time had its mind set towards God, especially during the first Great Awakening and the American Revolution, instead of that, now what you have is the Valley of Kidron where children were offered to Molech. But don't even let them come to be alive to offer them to Moloch. They're going to be offered from the womb as a bloody sacrifice to Satan with the blessings of the devil through the satanic churches in America. Hey, pulpits! Don't you think it's time you really woke up? And as the documentary that I spoke about in the first segment about Puritans, where are you willing to fight for your God, fight for humanity that he created, fight for everything that is before us, as a church, as a people, as a redeemed people, where are you? There's a few. There's a few. That's why I'm telling you again, go to, go to Canon Press, sign up, listen to what's there. You're going to get in more than an earful on truth. I'm not advertising for them. I'm just telling you that's where I find and you can find the most succinct place of getting biblical Reformation truth. There's other places. 
but that's the one I highly recommend. And oh yeah, just for your information that I know that there's other places, I'll put some other websites up for you. Uh, there, they're in the newsletter at samueladamsreturns.net. They're on the website. So, all right. So we covered here national sin, true history. Let me start here in the next five minutes, and then we're going to get into just the beginning of it uh, in the third segment. True history, which then will tie to Ezra Stiles and America. So when I'm coming to true history, it's not being taught. You know it's not being taught. I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's not what it needs to be, in fact, going back to the American Revolution. Now. Styles will talk about true history and all of those that are talking about reparation and that the Indians got ripped off, uh, all of that type of stuff. Uh, let me just take you. Oh gosh. I, I have to jump ahead here a little bit because, um, you have to forgive me because I had things queued up differently and what I was going to do, but I'm going to jump here anyway. And you have to understand something that uh, Reverend Stiles was talking about when he wrote and gave this Election Day sermon. And this Election Day sermon, I got to tell you, it's a book. I, I don't know who sat to listen to it. It's over 50 pages long. Can you handle your pastor talking more than 30 or 45 minutes? I don't think so. You know, you got an attention span of a three-year-old for the most part. And in modern society, oh, it's all ADD. It's all of this. People have the attention span of what do they call those things now? The short clips on social media, YouTube, uh, Facebook, whatever. Their attention span is 30 seconds to one minute. How do you hear the gospel? How do you hear the truth from the pulpit when a pastor can only barely get something established in that 30 to 45 minutes, if they get anything established at all? Let me uh, go here to a little bit of a, a quote from, which I wasn't going to do, on the Election Day sermon. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. Uh, when we take and we look at the, uh, the settling of this continent. And what he's talking about here is uh, how it was in, in particular the Europeans. There's two things that you need to look at is that when we think about capitalism and land and land rights, property rights, it, that comes from Scripture that comes from the Puritans that comes from Reformation truth, historical truth. And just real quick, I'm going to read this. So a free tenure of lands and equitable distribution of property enters into the foundation of a happy state. So far, I mean, as that body of the people may have it in their power by industry, to become possessed of real freeholder. That means property holder. Free, simple estate. F 
for connected with this will be a general spirit and principle of self-defense, defense of our property, our liberty, our country. This has been the singularly verified in New England where we have realized the capital ideas of Harrington's Oceana. And I got a reference to Oceana in there as well. We're going to have to pick up in the next segment. But what he talks about here is that when the people landed and came to America, the American aboriginals, that means the American Indians, of whom there were not more than 50,000 souls on the east side of the Mississippi, the Protestant Europeans have generally bought the native right of soil as far as they have settled and paid the value tenfold and are daily increasing the value of the remaining Indian territory a thousandfold. Now, I'm not going to go into the 1800s when, in fact, I would say that there were lands stolen, and Jackson was wrong about that. But the original settlers paid for the land. They bought it, and they increased the value. How much must the value of the lands reserved to the natives of North and South America be increased to remaining Indians by the inhabitation of two or three thousand hundred millions of Europeans? Ladies and gentlemen, come back into the third segment when I'm going to take you to the beginning and the insights into this book on the pulpits of the revolution in 1776. It is critical that you understand this and the truth of Sam Adams and the Anti-Federalist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this uh, last segment, third segment of Samuel Adams Returns. This is Tom Novolis, your host, and I do want to remind those in the Wilkins Radio Network market that this is your second last time that I'll be on. Uh, I, once again, go back to the first segment for those that are interested in what I had to say. But bottom line is that uh, I haven't heard anything from anybody out of that market on Wilkins Radio, so uh, we can't keep doing this. We just don't have the financial capacity to do it. We're blessed with two regular givers is all. So I guess for that part, what it means is that the the, the value proposition to you uh, out there that do listen isn't that useful. I am sorry that I haven't been able to give you any useful content that uh, you could appreciate or help us with. But we're we're not a uh, church. We're not a ministry that uh, gets funded through the givings of their parishioners. So it it is what it is, and we're going to move on to what's most important, is that this nation has, not just has, it is so inundated in sin that the pulpits in America are doing virtually nothing, except for the smattering. There is a smattering of those pulpits out there. And those are the ones that have 
the ideas of truth from that Puritan heart, from that Reformation foundational truths. And that's the real truth, and the real truth of history. So we're going to get to the real truth of history. We're going to go to, right now, and the reference to the book is there, is the pulpit, the pulpit, meaning those individual pulpits of the American Revolution, or what it's known is the political sermons of a period of 1776. And we're going to get into the historical introduction. And once again, we're going to come back to this. I don't know that I'm getting into a lot of what Ezra Stiles wrote. I'll try to give you at least a teaser about Stiles. And we're going to have to come back again, even to this introduction. The interesting aspect of this is that this book was uh, produced in 18. 18- 76. A hundred years later is when it was copywritten. And I don't know what else to tell you except that the just on the preface alone, let me do this. The preface alone, not even getting to the introduction. The preface alone is that the true alliance between politics and religion is the lesson inculcated, pounded in, in this volume of sermons and apparent in its title, the pulpit of the revolution. It is the voice of the fathers of the republic enforced by their example. Hey, pastors, I don't want to hear about you crying about abortion when I'm at home. I want you to lead with example. You know, when I was in the military, the best leaders were those that led by example, that were willing to put their lives out there to get in the front of things, not in the back. I heard that from a large church pastor here in our area. Oh, at home, I cry about abortion in my prayers. But you think he'd do anything about it here? Preach against it at his pulpit? No, not even close. They invoke God in their civil assemblies, called upon their chosen teachers of religion for counsel from the Bible. Do we really get our political leaders to take and get biblical counseling? A few. There's a few. There's a few that are there. Matt Gates just came out with the fact that, what did he say? He puts on the full armor of God. If you don't understand your scripture, you have no understanding what the full armor of God is. Matt Gates gets it. Jim Jordan gets it. There's a number of others at the federal level. And there's a few... I'm sure, within your various states. But look at what's going on in policies and perversions even into the courts. There's no courts even at the state level. I take that back. There's a few where the judges will look to heaven as the first place for the giver of law. All right. 
we hear and we see that they look to the Bible for counsel and recognize its precepts as the law of their public conduct. What did I just say? There's where the law is substantiated. The fathers did not divorce politics and religion, but they denounced the separation as ungodly. Now you got the pulpits that are denouncing it, not just the political leaders, but the pulpits, all these leftists out there. They prepared for the struggle and went into the battle, not as soldiers of fortune, but like Cromwell and the soldiers of the Commonwealth with the word of God in their hearts and trusting in him. This was <gasps> quiet. Listen. This was the secret of that moral energy which sustained the republic in its material weakness against the superior numbers and discipline and all the power of England. To these sermons, the response from the pulpit, the state affixed in its imprimatur, and thus they were handed down to future generations with a two-fold claim to respect. You see, what that means is that the political establishment said that you will write this down. You will write these sermons down. You, federal government printing press, state government printing press, local government printing press, you will print these sermons and make sure everybody hears them. <gasps> the press runs away from the sermons today. Oh, my. When's the last time you read a sermon in a newspaper? Instead, what you get is the destructive editorial writings of all the media. This destruction of our liberties, not the fighting and the preservation for our property. Look, we got things here in Ohio that's called NOAC up here in Northeast Ohio, and they're coming after our property. Where are the pastors? I only know of one pastor that is out there and fighting against Nowaka, not just from the pulpit, but from example. And I got a name, Ernie Sanders. I mean, he's been in the fight. You know, I, Ernie and I, there's many differences that we have theologically, but fundamentally, he is one of these pastors that gets out in front because he does know biblical truths. So let's look at this very, very clearly. Then the colonies relieved from the hostility, hostile pressure became restless under the restraints of dependency, and England was the only power whose strength and common relations to them could at once endanger the liberty of all, impel them to a league of domestic amity, and bind them in fraternal resistance to a common enemy. <laughs> I have to tell you right now, if you do, and I have done in these programs, look at 
the um, what's happening at the federal level and also in many states, it's very, very clear that the federal government has become everything that was predicted to the extent that it is none other than England under King George. And the political class is so destructive, it's unreal. So to the point that I was making earlier, I will just give you a quick introduction in these last few minutes of the sermon preached, the United States elevated to the glory and honor, a sermon preached before His Excellency Jonathan Trumbull, Governor and Commander-in-Chief, and the Honorable General Assembly of the State of Connecticut in 1783. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this was preached to the governor and the assembly. So the assembly had to sit there and listen to this 50-some page sermon. And it was historical. And this was given by Ezra Stiles. And it was here stated at a general assembly of the governor and company of the state of Connecticut, holden at Hartford on the second Thursday of May, 1783, ordered that Roger Sherman Esquire and Captain Henry Daggett return the thanks to the assembly to the Reverend Dr. Ezra Stiles for his sermon delivered before the assembly on the 8th instant and desire a copy thereof that it may be printed. Wow. So who was Ezra Stiles? Let me give you this real quick. I'll set it up for you. So Next week, we're going to have a guest. He's a fabulous guest. I've had him before. He's the one that has been really, anyway, I'm not going to get into the details, but he's a fabulous guest. He's been on before. He's a national speaker. He's nationally known. He's got a number of different books out, and we're going to be talking with him next week. But for now, here's the editor's factory about Reverend Stiles. President Stiles, because he was a president of Yale University, was one of the most learned and high-minded men of the time. He was familiar with the lore of the Hebrew and Christian church. He conversed, listen to this, he conversed, spoke, conversed, and corresponded in Hebrew, Latin, and French with facility and was learned in the original literature antiquities connected with biblical history. Okay? True history. He taught in astronomy, chemistry, and philosophy. He and his friend Dr. Franklin were among the earliest statisticians in America. Very statistical statisticians in America, and his studies in this science exhibited the most comprehensive and enlightened views that are especially in the sermon. That he was a thorough antiquary is manifest in his history of the three trenicides, and that he was a true son of New England appears in his saying that the day of the martyrdom of King Charles, 
ought to be celebrated as an anniversary Thanksgiving that one nation on earth had so much fortitude and public justice as to make a royal tyrant bow down to the sovereignty of the people. Remember, Charles was beheaded. And by uh, an extensive foreign correspondence, he kept up with the progress of knowledge and discovery to which he himself contributed, that he was a zealous and understanding friend of civil and religious liberty, a man of practical knowledge and observation, a sagacious student of men and things, is apparent in his discourse on Christian Union in 1760, as well as in remarkable sermon that we're going to talk about here in 1783 of the United States elevated to glory and honor. I don't have time to get into everything else, but we're going to talk about is and look at that he was also a deep student of Asia and China. Amazing. So when we get into this sermon, and he talks and he understands about every aspect that I mentioned earlier, especially in the second segment, he knew what he was talking about. So come on back next week when Samuel Adams returns and those anti-federalists got it right. <laughs> 